Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz guitarist Michael Blum. In 2016, he just released a critically acclaimed album called Chasing Oscar, a tribute to Oscar Peterson, and that was with his quartet. He was voted in 2015 as one of the rising guitarists in the world of jazz via Downbeat magazine. Originally from Long Island, New York, this kid has grown up to become a bona fide jazz musician, and he's played all over the place with many veteran musicians. There's a lot more to come from Michael, and we caught up with him and got all the stories and the entire chronology of his career up to this point. So get to know Michael and dig this interview, my friends. Hey, thanks for taking some time out today. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I, you know, I love the opportunity. Right on. So I'm going to just dive right in here. Obviously, you have a very nice new album, Chase and Oscar, but I want to get kind of to where what you're doing today. What is going on in your world today? Right now, I'm actually I've kind of shifted gears, and now I'm kind of focusing on this new jazz fusion project that I've been working on. It's going to be called Expansion. And then I've also been uh, writing some new tunes and, yeah, kind of uh, a little bit of a change of pace from, from Jason Oscar, uh, but I'm also really excited uh, about this release. The album is really, it, it's a great listen. That, I, there's, there's nothing more, I mean, I can add on top of that, but it's a great album. I've really enjoyed listening to it. It's a great ode to Oscar. So give me an idea of how this album came about for you, and what, how do you feel about it in the afterglow? Well, the way it came about is in conversations and lessons from my mentor, Jim Stinnett, who, who first recommended that I, that I get really immersed in one of Oscar's seminal albums called We Get Requests, which is a, a great, great album. It's Oscar, Ray, and Ed Thigpen on drums. So I, I started listening to that album. I listened to it kind of nonstop for a few months, and I just uh, I decided I wanted to, you know, kind of pay homage to, to Oscar and, and kind of learn learn to emulate what he did, but but on my instrument, uh, the guitar. So that's kind of how it came about, and, and uh, it evolved from there, you know, and I started listening to other albums, especially Tristeza on piano. And so, yeah, that's kind of how this project evolved. I, I, I listened to a lot of his recordings, and then I emulated his lines on the piano, note for note, once I got really, really immersed and into Oscar. So let's go into the studio for this recording session. What was the feeling like? What kind of conversation were you having with everybody making this album? That's a good question. You know, it was was nerve-wracking for me just because it was something that I had prepared for so intensely. Um, And the members of, you know, the members of the band on the the record are just so amazing. I I mean, they may have been nervous before the recording session. I I know, you know, a couple... Guys were, were worried about the charts because some of the music is just so fast. Hits go by really quickly. You know, as conscientious of as they were about getting the charts right, you know, they they got it pretty much on the first take. Uh, it's pretty incredible. I mean, it's just great working with with great musicians. So, how does a boy from Hanover, New Hampshire, grow up to get into jazz and to become a musician? <laughs> well, originally, I'm I'm from uh, Long Island. I, I spent um, you know my college years in in Hanover. Uh, and I lived. I was living in Hanover when I made this record. I got into jazz through my my father, who was a, a you know big music fan and a and a musician himself. He was my first guitar teacher. He also introduced me to my mentor, who I mentioned, Jim Stinnett. He had a passion for jazz. Uh, my mo- my mother is a great singer. So growing up, I, I was just always exposed to great music, including jazz. So let me get back to your life here and. 
obviously Oscar really swayed you in, in the jazz arts, but who else, like what album did you listen to growing up that really kind of hit you well? Before it was Oscar, um, and well, you, I, I never stopped listening to these records, but, but before, before I got really immersed in Oscar, I was really immersed in Grant Green, the recordings of Grant Green, who's a, a brilliant guitarist who played these beautiful rhythmic simplistic lines. I, I've tried to, to emulate him. Wes Montgomery, of course, Witten Kelly, piano player, Red Garland, the piano player. Oscar is one of one of many influences for me. Since you were growing up, was it always a foregone conclusion for you that music was going to be your life or did you have other dreams of what you were going to do when you grew up? You know, that's a good question. I, I think I might say that it was always my dream. But it, it was never a sure thing that that's what I would end up doing for a career path. All throughout high school and, and until, um, you know, pretty much my freshman year in college, I kept a very open mind about, you know, where I, where I was heading and, you know, I kind of went wherever the wind blew. About sophomore year of my uh, of college, I got, I got just hooked on jazz. Um, and that's coincidentally, when I met my mentor, Jim. So since then, I've been, you know, very gung-ho and, you know, very serious about this path. So we'll see where it takes me. Well, the path has obviously led well. You released your first album at the age of 21, Initiation, which is a great name for being your debut album. And then <laughs> you were on Downbeat's 2015 Rising Starless. Things have worked out pretty good for you. If you look back on your career right now, and someone wanted to know. They come up and they're like, what, what's your story? What are you going to tell them up to this point, how you got to where you're at as a professional musician? Uh, you know, just a lot of hours in the practice room. <laughs> That's pretty much how it happened. I've also been, you know, very blessed to, to have the experiences that I've had so far. So you've mentioned several times Jim at Berkeley. What did you get from him that still resonates so much with you these days? And obviously Berkeley is the preeminent school for jazz musicians. Talk to me a little bit about the time and what you learned in a formal environment. Jim is still, you know, still a very large figure in my life. What did I, you know, what do I gain from him? I, uh, most of all, he sets the bar extremely high. You know, if it weren't for him, I wouldn't have the courage, the tenacity, or the, or the confidence to, to pursue an undertaking like, like Jason Oscar. Um, and that goes for pretty much every aspect of my of music education the past few years. If it weren't for Jim, I think I'd, I'd be aiming a lot lower than, than I have. Yeah, Jim just, Jim just inspires me to, to meet my potential. Is there any advice that he's given you that really kind of hits you, say, before you go into a studio or get on stage? Just do your job. Don't worry about anyone else in the band. All you have to do is listen and groove, and everything will be fine. So going into the studio, that's kind of the takeaway from uh, Sessions with Jim. You know, you played with John Clayton, Fred Haas. You played with some big shots. You played on some hallowed stages. What is it like now that you've got some geography in your rearview mirror, so to speak? How do you feel about gigs? Is it, is it more comfortable? What do you get now versus when you began? What's the, the big difference? Oh, that's a great question. I, I'm able to just be a little more comfortable on stage, and it's, it's of course you know a work in progress. I've, I have a long ways to go, but um, me now versus me a few years ago, I'm definitely much more comfortable on stage. I can relax a little bit more. I can talk to the audience without mumbling like a fool. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes beyond the music, but also those things extend to the music because you know if you're able to relax, generally you can play better. 
obviously, as we've said several times with the Oscar album, you know, he, he was a huge influence. Grant Green, you've, you've named some seminal people in the world of jazz that have been very influential on you. But let's get a little mystical here. And if you could get into the, the jazz DeLorean with Michael J. Fox at the helm, and you could punch in the coordinates, and you could go wherever you want, whatever year and wherever geographically in the world, where are you going and who are you going to see live? Ooh, that's a tough question. I might have seen the Miles Davis Quintet in 1959. I think that would have been pretty amazing. Absolutely. Just because, you know, such a turning point and the music was just so great. That would have been pretty amazing, yeah. Right on. So let me ask you a general question here. Why do you love jazz? A lot of it is is the attraction of freedom through discipline. The struggle where you where you work hard in order to free yourself to express yourself within that, you know, within that idiom. I think that's that's always been attractive to me about jazz. Right on. Let me ask you this. You know, this is one thing that kind of comes up here and there when I talk to younger musicians. How do you see the health and vitality of jazz? I can say from the Kansas City perspective, when I think about Kansas City and New York, it seems like an unbelievably healthy organism. Kansas City's seen is flourishing. There's a lot of young cats, a lot of action, a lot of clubs opening up. New York is constantly always doing things, whether it's Village, Vanguard, or it's newer places that pop up. But from your perspective, as someone that's getting really immersed in jazz, releasing albums on people's tongue, how do you feel about the health and vitality of jazz in America and even the world? You know, I think we're in good shape because we have we have so much enthusiasm about it and so many and so many um so many people are, are, are learning it. So I think we're, you know, we're kind of sowing the seeds for the future in a way just because so many people are immersed in it and, and studying it and playing it. I like that answer. That's good. <laughs> what, what's one of the nicest things that a fan has ever said to you, whether after they listen to your music on disc or ran into you after a show, what, what sticks out to you? If I can inspire people, then it's a good day, I guess. The goal in general is to, to have an impact on people and hopefully brighten their days or inspire them or get them to think about something they hadn't or dream about a goal that they've set for themselves. Or No one thing stands out in particular, but that's, that's the general goal. So let's say we talk in 10 years. My first question, as I asked at the top of the, the interview, which was what's going on, I asked you in 10 years from now, What's going on? What are you going to want to tell me is going on or happening or happened? I don't know. <laughs> I guess um, that I'm making a lot of music. And that That's how I'm spending each day. I, you know, I, ten, 10 years down the line, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd like to have, you know, some hopefully some bigger audiences and be able to reach some more people, play deeper stuff, stuff that, that I can't play now. So... Everybody has a version of Michael. You do. You have your own version, your family, your friends, your business associates. But most importantly, you. When you wake up and you face the world and you go do your thing, who do you think you are? (laughs) (laughs) Who do I think I am? Who do you think Uh, you are? (laughs) That's that's a tough question. I have no frame of reference. (laughs) Um, I'm just a guy who's trying to take, you know, a couple steps each day towards, you know, some goals that I set for myself. Stay positive and stay healthy and happy. I mean, that's the goal I have each day. I, who I am. I don't know. That's a pretty metaphysical question. I don't know, I don't know if I can answer that right now. <laughs> that's all right. That's an answer right there. That's okay. an answer right there. 
Cool. And Michael, thank you for taking some time out. Again, I love the album. I'm looking forward to spending it on the show. And I uh, appreciate your story. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, Boston, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Michael for his stories and all of that great music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store or visit theneonjazz.blogspot.com for all things Neon Jazz. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. Neon Jazz.